You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deep in the heart of our Milky Way galaxy lies a monster, a cosmic force so powerful, so menacing, it swallows everything in its path. And once it does, there's no escape. It's where all known physics breaks down, but it may also hold the secrets to space and time. It's a supermassive black hole, gravity run amok, but it's no surprise that one of the most mysterious objects in the universe is also its most powerful gravitational force. The story of the universe is also the story of gravity. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm Seth Shostak. In a departure from our regular format on Are We Alone, we take you on a dramatized adventure to tell the story of gravity. You're hearing it here, but it's also part of a traveling museum exhibit, Black Holes, Space Warps, and Time Twists, which is a production of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Find out more on our website, radio.seti.org. Now to the far future and a journey to a black hole. And this week in science, astronomers have confirmed the existence of what they claim is a so-called supermassive black hole, where they believe millions of stars have collapsed into something so dense, nothing can escape its deadly clutches. When the scientists were asked if they had plans to send a rocket probe to investigate this black hole, they said that was not possible. It was something for the next generation, or the one after that. Okay, here's another box of space sickness tablets, Molly. What do we need those for, Seth? Well, they prevent space sickness. Oh, okay. I'll put them next to the astro water and the cosmic food bars. Boy, was there a rush there at the end or what? All those rockets here at Spaceport? There must have been 50 different gates, and I wasn't sure we were going to make it. Yep, but we're on board now. Okay, let's check the Interstellar Tourist Handbook. That's got everything we need for a jaunt to the stars. I can't wait to see the new facility at the Orion Club. I hope to get lots of reading done. What I need to do is relax. No stress, no surprises. It was so lucky I won those free tickets for a trip halfway across the galaxy. I mean, imagine just by dropping my business card at that burger joint. Doors are closing. I wonder if there's a hammock on board ship here so I can get started reading. This is your shipboard computer. Welcome aboard the Starship Singularity. Please secure your carry-on equipment. Okay, my box of SPF 3000 sunblock is stored. Those early stars put out a lot of UV, you know, Molly. Those exit systems are being sealed in 60 seconds. Welcome on board, Drs. Barsky and Dutch. What? Who are Barsky and Dutch? Our voyage to the center of the galaxy will take about 77.4 hours (gasps) at what they call 
relativistic velocity. What? Be sure to review that black hole protocol we gave you. Black hole? There, there's no black hole at this resort. Wait, let me see your ticket, Molly. Okay, here. No, that's that's right. It says Orion Club. Did we go to the wrong gate? I mean, we went to 6C. We're on the wrong ship, Seth. I don't know where this one is going, but we've got to get off. Grab your stuff. Hurry. Exit system sealed successfully so you can't get out. What? Don't even try. No, 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 no. We're on the wrong ship. We're not Barsky and Dutch. Whoever they are. We don't want to be on this ship, Seth. Try the doors. Hey, where we're, we're locked in. Where did it say we're going? To, to a black hole? Wait a minute. We need some help here. Okay, well, there's got to be some onboard intelligence. Yeah, check over there. All right, let's see here. Okay, press that. Well, well this, this. This says DAN, Data Analysis Network. Okay, good. Oh, boy, this must be a science expedition. Black holes are dangerous, Seth. We're not qualified for them. Greetings. Time for a systems run-through? Uh, hi. Are, are you the Data Analysis Network? Uh, we're in extreme need of data analysis. Dan, correct. Time for a systems run-through? No, Dan. It's not time for a systems run-through. We're not supposed to be here. We're tourists. We won free tickets to the Orion Club. There's been some sort of mix-up. We're on the wrong ship. We're not Barsky and Dutch. Whoever they are. And whoever they are, they're probably on their way to the Orion Club. We need to get off this ship, Dan. Do whatever thingy thing you need to do to unseal the Doors, and we'll go explain to the spaceport people you that... You can't get off this ship. Doors are locked. Quark fusion pumps are already active. Departure sequence protocol is underway. Departure to where? Starship Singularity is making the first trip to the supermassive black hole in the center of the Milky Way, 26,000 light years distant, plus or minus a few miles. So this isn't even a routine run-of-your-mill black hole run? Negative. It's the first to the center of the galaxy to collect data on a supermassive black hole. I'm eager to process hard data on frame dragging. But we're not Barsky and Dutch. Whoever they are. So if you could just let us off the ship, I'm sure we could Dr. explain. Dr. Maxine Barsky and Dr. Gerald Dutch are relativistic cosmologists who have degrees from prestigious institutions and have been handpicked for this expedition. Do you have any relevant qualifications? Well, I've dabbled in astronomy. I watched a Stephen Hawking special on PBS once. I also read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Does that help? No. Okay, we're going to begin that departure sequence now. It seems we're stuck on board, but we're not astronauts. We can't fly this ship. No need of that. The rocketry is almost fully automated, as space launches have been for 14 years. Excuse me, 13 years and 7 months. Kind of pedantic, isn't he? And there are many intelligent systems on board to assist, including me, who is perhaps the most intelligent. Refer to the handbook in your seat back pocket. This computer sounds like a teenager. I'm Data Analysis Network version 6.2, a silicon prodigy. My specialty is data reduction and analysis. Ready for systems run-through? Yeah, well, I guess. Oh, Seth, this doesn't look good or sound good. I know, I know. Okay, but we both have to calm down, Molly. We can do this. Right, and, and these ships are so advanced these days, you could practically fly them with your eyes closed. Looking through this book, uh, we'll find instructions for all the computer brains we need to get us to the black hole. And back, I hope. System checkout positive. Ready for greater than 99% light speed, maximum velocity. But black holes are dangerous. Dan, what happens when we arrive? The plan is to hover outside the event horizon and send a probe near its edge. The probe has magnetometers and ultra-precision gyroscopes and atomic clocks. Boy, he's kind of a propeller head. Each will telemeter back data. The probe is expendable. It has to be. This is the first time anyone has gotten close to a supermassive black hole. We could be swallowed up if we're not prudent. Yeah, that's right. Or end up like strands of spaghetti. But Starship Singularity is programmed not to get too close. That's right. We'll hover at a safe distance. It's not quite the same as actually going to the very edge of the black hole, but we'll still get valuable data about gravity and warp space. 
I suggest you prepare yourselves for departure. Okay, I'll look in this handbook to see what intelligence can help us with that. Okay, well, I might as well be useful. I'll just get this box of astro water here and... Ow! Oh, my foot! Did gravity hurt you? No, what? No, th this box did. Gravity is a primary cause of injury, such as people falling, branches falling, boxes falling... Pianos tossed off balconies. That's interesting, but who knows how gravity actually works? Actually, I have an idea. It's attraction. The mass of the Earth pulls on the mass of plastic in that box. As a result, the box feels a force, which means it accelerates at a rate of 32 feet per second every second. It is a remarkable physical effect in which the force is directly proportional to the product of the two masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. And these forces What's he are saying? I can't understand him, Seth. I, I know. This computer's smart, Molly, but he's loaded with technical jargon. Uh, Dan, we can't understand what you're saying, and we need to be able to do that for this trip. Well, perhaps if I said that it's inversely proportional to the distance and that all that's required is an explication let me, let me of my see if I can adjust this setting here. Values for the relativistic nah, I see you've been programmed for a highly convoluted syntax that's technically abstruse. Well, that might be okay for Barsky and Dutch. Whoever they are. But that's the highest level of techno-speak. Let me recalibrate. Right Let's see what levels we have. Uh, uh, physics grad students commenting on Star Trek. No, no, no. No one can understand that. Okay, how about this? Fermi lab happy hour. Isn't going to be much better. Ah, oh, wait a minute. Here's a level that'll work. Third grade show and tell. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, minimal techno babble. There. And so all objects accelerate at the same rate. Whether you drop a box of cosmic food bars or astro water, they'll hit your foot at the same time. Oh, that's better. Verbiage I can understand. I hadn't thought of it that way, Dan. Gravity bruised my foot by accelerating that box of astro water. I hope that's the last time I have to deal with gravity on this trip. Well, bad news, Molly, because a black hole is all about gravity. I mean, a black hole is gravity on steroids. The mother of all gravity. Gravity run amok. Well, it's also scary. Even if black hole trips are routine, supermassive black hole trips are not. Oh, I'm glad that so much of Spaceship Singularity is automated. And for the rest, we have Dan as our guide. And not just Mr. Personality. According to this seatback handbook, a number of advanced cognitive systems are on board too, Molly. And since they've got to keep the weight down, it looks like they can come aboard in various ways. I just need to press this button here. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> According to the handbook, this is Sophia. Hello, Sophia. Ship onboard photonic holographic information aggregator. Oh, so Sophia. Yeah, apparently Dan is the number cruncher. Brainy, but he can't steer this ship. Sophia pulls the data together. Aggregates. That's right. Look, she's a bubble of light, a hologram that moves around like a cloud of fireflies. That's the uh, speckled effect you always get with laser light. Okay, Sophia, lay it on us. We're headed toward the mother of all trash compactors. What can we expect? We are traveling to a black hole at the center of our galaxy. Black holes are among the most mysterious objects in the universe. Imagine matter that collapses and creates a gravitational force so powerful, nothing can escape, imprisoning light itself. That's why black holes are nearly invisible. Yes, and because they absorb all that falls into them, including all knowledge, black holes may hold the secrets to space and time. But that's not why we're going. The purpose is to get valuable data about the black hole's spin and the warping of space-time. Black holes hold the secrets to space and time? What kind of secrets, Sophia? We don't know. The universe is vast in time and space. Even I, as an aggregate system, cannot take in its entirety. This universe is our home. But we don't know how it began or how old it is. My calculations say the universe is 13.7 billion years old. 
And it began with the Big Bang. Maybe. My calculations are highly reliable. But perhaps the universe is an endless cycle of information and matter. An endless number of Big Bangs. The universe could be ageless. The multiverse is highly theoretical. Wow, we're locked up with a pair of dueling robots. I'd ask you guys to take it outside, but we're vacuum sealed in here like sardines in oil. I'm going to get this hyperdimension ion drive ready once I consult page 12 of the manual here. So going to the black hole may explain it the mystery of creation. A black hole is sometimes described as the opposite of creation. Everything ends in a black hole. But there are more questions. We don't know how big the universe really is or what it's made of. There is an enormous amount of energy and matter that we can't detect. 95% of the total matter of the universe is dark matter and dark energy. We don't even know what dark matter is, or dark energy either. That figure is still quite reliable. But trying to understand is part of what makes you human. What about you? Don't you contemplate too? I mean, you're a computer, but you have all this knowledge. Don't you wonder about what we'll find and, and, and what it all means? Curiosity is a human trait. It's what gives human existence meaning. I simply aggregate what you've learned. I'm not programmed to be curious, no. Not just a little bit? Uh, Molly, don't argue with a computer. This will certainly be beyond amazing. I mean, no one has traveled this far into the Milky Way. I'm actually getting excited about this. I mean, imagine being a part of history. It will be enlightening. For humans, I mean. Well, this rocket is an impressive hunk of hardware, that's for sure. It says here this baby runs on a fusion reaction system. Apparently, it swallows interstellar dust at the front end and burns it in a quark fusion quantum accelerator, whatever that is, at the back end of the ship. We'll be cruising, on average, 2,300 light years an hour. Eat my interstellar dust. You'll have a number of advanced systems on board that you can call on when necessary. Dan and I will be here the whole time. And I suggest you get started with your launch interface. Yeah, well, okay. Let's see. Launch interface. Okay, everything looks good on the preliminary quantum accelerator. Need to check how much power we need for launch. As you know, there's no such thing as a free launch. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's call on Dr. G. He's an astrophysicist at Harvard. On board with us? But don't we have a weight limit? Of 17,406 pounds. Yeah, well, not to worry. It's only his mind that's on board. It's linked into the main circuit boards here. And his body? Apparently still at home. Looks like they just tapped into his cerebellum. All 4,000 pentabytes of electrical neuron activity. Let's try them out. Hi, Dr. G. Hey there, Drs. Barsky and Dutch. Good to be working with you. I take it we're ready to go into launch mode? I think so, but Barsky and Dutch... Whoever they are... ...couldn't make it. We're Molly and Seth. Okay, Drs. Molly and Seth. No, Doctors. Just Molly and Seth. There was a mix-up, and we... Uh, never mind. What we need is for you to walk us through the launch. Went to the wrong gate, huh? We need enough thrust to escape Earth's gravity, right? Right. That's escape velocity. That's the minimal amount of speed, the minimum, you need to break away from Earth's gravitational pull. So we're talking 25,000 miles an hour, about 7 miles a second. It's like going from Boston to Los Angeles in 6 minutes. And it's a home run. Move those legs, you slacker. The Red Sox just kill me. Home run? What is he talking about? Go, go! And he's safe. Seems to be a glitch. His mind is in two places at once. He's also at home watching a Red Sox game, it sounds like. Not that you need a mind to watch the Red Sox, mind you. Hey, I heard that. Sorry. Grew up in Virginia. You know, Washington Nationals fan. No one's perfect. Get ready, bat boy. Yep, Dr. G's mind is on board, and he's also watching the ball game. His sensory experience on Earth seems to be bleeding through. It's, it's like flipping back and forth between television channels. Let's see if the book says what we can do about it. 
Dr. G, why do we need so much power to launch? If I want to escape Earth's gravitational pull, I mean, I can just jump off the floor. But it's a temporary thing, and you come right back down. But if you have enough speed, you can escape the gravitational field without falling back, which is where you want the ship to go. That gravity, it's strong. Actually, no. Gravity's the weakest force. The weakest. There are five other forces. No, sorry, five is the SOX score. Keep it up, boys. Unavoidable bleed through, Molly, I'm afraid. But he's with us enough to help with the launch. There are three other forces of nature that make the universe what it is. The strong nuclear, the weak nuclear, and the electromagnetic. Gravity's number four and the weakest. Consider a paperclip lying on a table. The entire Earth is pulling on it. Yet an ordinary fridge magnet can overcome that force and lift up the paperclip. That's a weak force, as weak as the arm on this batter they got up next. You don't have a chance, pal. And although it is the weakest of forces, it's gravity that holds the universe together. Apologies for interrupting. I'm fascinated by gravity. You find it an attractive subject, do you? And strike three, you're out. It is extraordinary. Not only does gravity hold the universe together, we are who we are because of it. Our bodies evolved with gravity. Rather, yours did. Your leg bones are thick to support your weight. Go, go, clear those bases, you duffer. What are you, strolling through the park? Jeez. And as you humans age, you feel the effects of gravity. It pulls your body parts closer to Earth. Right, my ears are reaching for my kneecaps as we speak. Humans always complain about fighting gravity. But gravity's a friend. Gravity makes everything possible. Except me. A hologram would work in weightless conditions. I don't need gravity. Although sometimes I imagine what it might be like to feel the ground pushing back on a pair of feet. It sounds like you're curious about it, Sophia. No, I'm not curious. But being incarnate must be so validating. Sophia's right that we exist because of gravity. So do the planets and the stars. Planets and stars have a round shape because gravity tries to pull all that material to their centers. That's always the case, except when it comes to the center fielder, because that ball is being pulled to the spot over his head. Another home run. Did you know that the gravitational force that creates the trajectory of that baseball, I mean... No trigonometry, please. Gosh, I thought I dialed the technobabble out of you. Trigonometry's not technobabble. I'm just saying that you can calculate what gravity does. A home run leaves the bat in a straight line, but then the ball is pulled to Earth by gravity. That's how you get the curve. It's the same gravity that keeps the Earth, Moon, and the planets in their orbits. If the gravitational pull between the Sun and the Earth were to disappear, Earth would fly off in a straight line, like the ball leaving the bat. We'd leave the solar system. Hypothetically amusing, but statistically unlikely, Sophia. Our place in the cosmos is tenuous. Yeah, well, the odds of the Earth developing an orbital perturbation great enough to trigger a systemic instability that causes three million billion billion pounds of planet to fly off into space are eight billion, twenty million, seven hundred thousand to one. I calculated it. The universe is a remarkable place. But statistically... Okay, you clever electronics make me nostalgic for old-fashioned slide rules. The point is, gravity is everywhere. Who knew? I mean, G. Actually, you might say G-force. That's the force of gravity on any body or the force of acceleration anywhere. So if you're standing on Earth, you're going to feel the force of 1G. We're talking about 32 feet per second squared. 32.174 feet per second squared. That's what I said. What's to the right of the decimal point matters. Anyway, so the G-force... I mean, one doesn't say that pi is equivalent to about three. Got a kid. Jeez. It's the computer prodigy thing. Anyway, I was saying, so you feel this G-force when you're at rest, but G-forces increase when you move or accelerate. Ever ride a roller coaster? That's a couple of Gs right there. You'll feel lots more when you blast off. Are you ready for launch, crew? 
Ready, I think. All set. Let her rip. Hey, don't be distracted by the ball game at a crucial moment, okay, Dr. G? Yeah, you could send us in the wrong direction, hurtling towards Andromeda or something. Yeah, what a strain. I mean pain. No worries. You have my full attention. The game's over. Red Sox won, two more wins, and we're headed to the series. Computers all set? Data analysis network all set. Intelligence aggregation ready. Okay, we're ready for takeoff. Okay, folks, listen up. The trip is to a supermassive black hole 26,000 light years away. The ship will blast off and reach a speed of 25,000 miles an hour in... 200 seconds. 25,000 miles an hour in 200 seconds. Uh, right. That allows you to escape the gravitational pull of Earth. The onboard system does that automatically. After that, your ship will accelerate to more than 99% the speed of light. But where you're going, you'll come across a gravitational pull far more stronger than the Earth you leave behind. The gravity is so extreme in a black hole, the escape velocity is greater than the speed of light. You get too close to the event horizon and... No escape. Well, we're not planning to need to escape because we're not planning on falling into a black hole. I'm looking at the itinerary now, and let's see. There's uh, travel to the edge of the solar system and then lunch at one, then cruise through endless clouds of stars. But what I don't see is get sucked into a black hole and be removed from the observable universe for all time. Nope, it's not here. Stay clear of the event horizon anyway. Use the manual override if you have to. Okay, you're seated, strapped in, tray tables in their upright and locked position? Yes. Oh, wait. Is this an exit row? Okay, quark fusion quantum accelerator engaged. Gantry tower retracting. And we're off. Scary. I can feel the G-forces, Obi-Wan. About nine Gs to be exact, or nine times your body weight. Okay, you're becoming free of the Earth's gravitational pull. My work here is done. Have a good trip. You can turn off my onboard brain now. Thanks, Dr. G. Will do. Over and out. Well, Molly, the ship is eating interstellar material as fuel. Looks like the onboard navigation is working. We're on our way, Seth, to the center of the galaxy and its supermassive black hole. Uh, when did you say lunch was? I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th.
We are clear of Earth and on a minimal travel time trajectory, headed for the black hole in the center of the Milky Way. Okay, let's get more information on where we're going. What intelligence should we call up, Seth? Well, it looks like we have another expert on board that studied the Milky Way's central black hole. Dr. Nero Child Schwartz. We have a link to his mind, too? Nope. Body on board. But... Well, mindful of the weight limits, apparently they had him dehydrated with Insta-Dry. He's over in this jar here. Dehydrated? Yeah. Insta-Dry is really useful. I've, I've used it during long car trips with my brother. Cuts down on his uh, chatter and the pit stops. But here on board, a real weight saver. But how does that save weight if you need to add all that water? Yeah, good point. But on a rocket, all water is recycled. Right, Dan? The ship carries 1,412.6 pounds of water for life support purposes. Also showers. And my Chia pet. Yeah, well, thank goodness. Hey, hand me that watering can. Here. But, Seth, we're in space. Dr. Child Schwartz won't have any weight in space because there's no gravity here. Well, whether you feel weightless or not depends on your motion. When you're sitting in an airplane, you feel gravity pulling you into your seat. But if you jumped out of the plane while you were falling, you'd, you'd feel weightless until you hit the ground. But gravity would be working on you the entire time. Right now, the ship is falling through space, so we're weightless. But whoever designed this rocket made sure it was rotating, which produces a centrifugal force. The centrifugal force imitates gravity, just like in an amusement park ride where they spin you. I would not find that amusing. So, you see, there's always gravity everywhere in the universe, right, Sophia? As long as there is mass around, there is gravity. Even Earth's gravitational pull extends throughout the universe. It just diminishes as you get farther away. Is that why I weigh something when I step on a bathroom scale on Earth? Yes, weight is the measure of the force of attraction between us, well, you, and the Earth or another object. That force is different on different planets. Oh, let me calculate it. On Earth, Molly, you weigh 135 pounds. That's right. How did you know that? My protoplasmic distribution scanner automatically calculates bone fat muscle mass. It's quite advanced. I can even tell if the distribution of fat is lopsided. The reading for Seth is curious, for example, because his center of gravity is so low. Yeah, got it, Dan. That's very advanced, very impressive, but uh, enough discussion about my adipose tissue. Let's move on. Okay, back to Dr. Child Schwartz. His dehydrated self is waiting. Molly, it says here on the instructions on the back of the jar to dump that dusty stuff onto the floor and then just pour the water from that can over. Okay. Stand back. <coughs> Get out of the way, Insta-Professor! Oh, back stiff. I thought you'd never stop your incessant jabbering and pour that water. Sorry, we, wait a minute. How could you hear us? You were dehydrated. Oh, my neck as well. Stiff as my back. Blast. A little post-rehydration crankiness, it seems. Here, let me help you off the floor, Dr. Charles Schwartz. I've got it. I can jolly well stand on my own. I don't need some young upstart and his cheeky deference. Let's get cracking. Where's your chart of the Perseus arm? I haven't been called a young upstart since around the time paper was invented. Invention? What do you know? I designed the quark fusion quantum accelerator that runs this ship. But what do you know? You're just a schoolboy. Schoolboy? Well, keep talking like that and we'll get along just fine. I'm Seth, and this is Molly, Dr. Child Shorts. Indeed. Now, enough wittering. Turn up the contrast on the chart of the Perseus arm and let's get to work before I'm stuffed back into that blasted jelly jar. Now, mind you, we're headed not just to a black hole, but to the black hole, the one at the centre of our Milky Way galaxy. 
Dr. Charles Schwartz, tell us what we need to know. Zoom in on the ship's position on the control panel interface. Right. Our coordinates put us here. We've just left the solar system. At the centre of the galaxy, there's the black hole. A massive black hole. 26,000 light years away. How many miles is that? Please, let me answer. There are 5.8 trillion miles in a light year. Multiplied by 26,000 is 151 quadrillion miles. Correct. What sort of a computer are you? He's Data Analysis Network version 6.2. Some sort of silicon prodigy. There's no shame in accuracy. What does this black hole look like? No one knows what it looks like. That's why this trip is important. But we expect it to be black. Dark. Although the objects being drawn into it are not. They're heating up, so they have a white hot intensity. They're emitting X-rays, ultraviolet rays, and other things that our eyes can't respond to. So you can't actually see the black hole itself. Our only hope is to catch things falling into it. It appears like a giant whirlpool. Uh, Does this black hole have a name, and and how big is it? No, it doesn't have a name. I take it your subscription to the Physical Review has lapsed. The name some use, Sag A, actually refers to its location in the direction of the constellation Sagittarius, Sag A. As for size, it's millions of times more massive than our sun and millions of times bigger than other black holes in our galaxy. I hope that impresses you. Well, you can't throw that on your bathroom scale. You joke, young man. But the gravitational pull of this black hole is so intense, it would rip your liver out of your ribcage and then rip the liver apart itself. Will that do? Yeah, that that, that will do. What should we expect as we near the black hole, Dr. Child Schwartz? Well, there's much we don't know. We do know that if anything is falling in, It will be torn to atoms and heated to extreme temperatures. You can expect intense radiation and a magnetic field. The stuff around it will glow brighter than the hottest star. It's undoubtedly spectacular. It's a one-way trip to oblivion. Yeah, you can check in, but you can never leave. A rabbit hole that never ends. I see you don't take this business seriously. Well, you're tourists and tickled by cartoonish ideas of the universe. It's high fashion these days to come up with frothy ideas of what it could contain, what the universe might be, string theory and parallel universes. It's all poppycock. But maybe there are forces out there that we don't understand. There's much we do know, so let's stick with that. We know there's a monstrous gravitational force at the centre of the galaxy. It has a voracious appetite. It sucks in everything in its neighbourhood. So don't get too close to a black hole's event horizon, the point of no return from which you can't escape and become forever lost to space and time. Dr. C. Child Schwartz, believe me, we have no plans to get too close to the event horizon. I'm attached to my body and I prefer it in one piece. I, I didn't choose this mission. I should be at the Orion Club right now with a pineapple astro tiki drink in one hand and a copy of Cosmic Stories magazine in the other. We're sticking with a plan to get as close as we can to the black hole and collect data, according to this ship's mission statement here, to measure the distortion and twisting of space and time. Good. The automatic system should keep you at a prudent distance. Right. The probe will only get near to the black hole. Beam back the info. Dan will crunch the numbers. Excellent. Those data will help us understand the behavior of highly condensed matter in space and time. 
It will be historic. But what if there is more? More? More we could learn about the black hole. What it is. What's in it. What if... <laughs> the ultimate time burner. What if? No one knows what's in a black hole. It's an unanswerable question. Besides, we have no need to know. Surely it's enough to appreciate it as an extreme manifestation of gravity. But maybe travelling into a massive black hole would be exciting. Say you could enter a black hole. We know it contains information. It may harbour secrets of the universe. Some say it's possible that by going into a black hole, you could travel back in time. And that all that ever has been would be revealed. Ah, oh, that's right. And others say there's an identical bubble universe floating next to ours. You're one of those aggregating holograms, aren't you, Sophia? That's surprising. They're quite logical, but you have a penchant for postulating. But since you seem to have a preternatural interest in this subject, aggregate this. Let's say one did venture into a black hole. What value is knowledge if you could never return to share it with anyone? Knowledge is always valuable. It brings us closer to wisdom. Ah, say the great secrets of the universe were revealed in a brilliant flash. You saw all that was, all that will be. Never mind that humanity isn't prepared for that sort of discovery. And you'd be destroyed long before you could share your so-called enlightenment. I don't shy from bold vision. I created the energy system that runs this ship, remember? But I am allergic of futility. So you are content to send a probe near a black hole, even though sending a probe into a black hole might prove... To be a doomed experiment. It falls in, nothing comes out. I'm not usually given to folksy wisdom, but do what you can, can what you can't do, has always served me well, and you must can any attempt to deviate from the mission. Send a probe in, and Dan will analyse the data. Can we finish? I'm getting a bit cranky. But... Limit your questions to what can be answered. Aggregate the numbers that Dan collects. OK, Dr Child Schwartz, we should uh, re-dehydrate you. You're off on an extraordinary journey. Good luck. We'll give you a full report when we return to Earth. Ready to be rehydrated? <sighs> if you must... Molly, pass me the lid. He's back in the jar next to the instant coffee. All this talk about gravity. Okay, I understand the link between black holes and gravity. But what is gravity? How does it really work? Why does it draw things together in the first place, Dan? These are the big questions, perhaps beyond even my prodigious ability to analyze. Please be patient. I'll be right back. What? Where is he going? Okay, Molly, according to Professor Child Schwartz, we're right on course. Here, let's have a cosmic food bar, since we still have a long way to go. Mmm, anchovy. Well, according to this readout, our quark fusion quantum accelerator has boosted us to 99.986% the speed of light. You should see a bright white spot in front of the ship. Beautiful, isn't it? Who's that? Because of your very high speed, all the light in the universe has been concentrated into that one bright spot. It's just a consequence of geometry. Is, is that Dan? Seth, was that voice another onboard intelligence? Gravity is not a force, but this I did not know when I started my work. I didn't activate this one. Maybe, maybe it's here in the book. But why the German accent? I mean, it sounds sort of familiar. I, I am back. 
For the questions about gravity you were asking, I uplinked specialized assistance. Now, Professor Newton described gravity as a force that pulls on objects. His law of gravitation was brilliant for the 17th century, but it doesn't answer the question of how gravity is communicated. My theory of gravity made great strides in answering that question. Your theory of gravity? Also known as the theory of general relativity. Einstein? Albert Einstein? Yeah, it's good to be here. The ship's mind mimeograph has great brains on file. This is a duplicate of Einstein's. I pulled it up. What's a disembodied voice need to do to get some bratwurst mit knodel around here? Well, does this software run on a Mac? So we're headed towards a black hole. Even though my theory predicted what you call black holes, we didn't use that term then, I never really thought they existed. It seems they do. Wunderbar. When do we arrive? Well, not too long now, but uh, wait wait a minute. A and That means we are traveling at a speed that is very close to the speed of light. Is it really you, Albert Einstein? Uh, when did you publish your paper on special relativity? 1905. And on general relativity? My theory of gravity? 1915. Dan, please, let Dr. Einstein here answer. But it was a seminal paper. And you got the Nobel Prize for? Oh, my paper on the photoelectric effect. Always fond of that one. Wow, you seem to be the real deal. Dr. Einstein, it's really a pleasure to meet uh, you. I'm Seth, and, and this is Molly, and you've met Dan... You were saying... He was saying that his theory of gravity helped us to understand what gravity is, but I still don't understand. What did you mean, Dr. Einstein, that gravity is a consequence of geometry? Let's return to Sir Isaac Newton for a moment. He said that objects with mass are attracted to other objects, and he thought that what attracted them was a force. Sir Isaac was brilliant, but he had no idea how gravity actually works. I, however, was fortunate enough to have an insight. Go on. Space, after all, has a shape. And shape can be warped, if you will, warped by mass. And so gravity is not a force, but the response of objects to these distortions of space. Objects are drawn to each other because the fabric of space is warped. That's where geometry comes in. The theory of general relativity... is really a geometric theory of gravitation. See, gravity is a manifestation of the curvature of space-time. Oh, my apologies. I should let Dr. Einstein speak. No, it is exciting. I agree. The idea is that gravity is fundamentally geometry, curvature of space-time. So I'm pulled to Earth because of a warp in the fabric of space-time? Richtig. I mean, correct. It applies to planets in motion around the sun. Earth isn't compelled to orbit the sun because of a force. But the sun mass distorts space-time, and the Earth follows those distortions. The fabric of the universe is curved, so the Earth follows the curve. It's geometry, but we call it gravity. You have some clever computers on board this ship. That's Sophia, Dr. Einstein. I could have used such devices in my time. Would have cut down on the tedium at the patent office. Any object with mass is going to distort space-time. And since there is mass throughout the universe, stars, planets, and so forth, the fabric of space-time has ripples and curves throughout. So, how does the theory of geometry, or gravity, apply to a black hole? The ultimate expression of gravity is a black hole. How does that answer the question, Dr. Einstein? Ah, because a black hole's mass is so extremely concentrated, it keeps collapsing in on itself until it vanishes. The only thing left is the disturbance of space-time. That was my theory, part of general relativity, that the only thing left is a black hole. 
I didn't call it a black hole, of course. I called it mathematical curiosity back in 1917. So, uh, did you think that black holes actually existed back then? No, but my theory predicted that at some point, a really massive star, when it ran out of nuclear fuel, would collapse and produce a gravitational force so powerful, so powerful, that the light itself could not escape. And you were right! Imagine! The idea was so crazy then that even I could not believe it. But now it seems to be true. And we're traveling towards a black hole, the most massive one in the galaxy. Dr. Einstein's theory of gravity also predicted. Whoa! Whoa. Wow. Wow. What was Ooh. that? <laughs> Perhaps it was a gravitational wave. First the black hole, then the ripples of space-time, and now gravitational waves. <laughs> Wunderbar! Boy, that sure gave this ship a jolt. The ship experienced an engine glitch in the quark fusion pump. Everything's okay now. Yeah, I thought we were playing bumper cars with dark matter. Wait, Dr. Einstein, you were saying something about gravitational waves. Yeah, they're ripples in the fabric of space-time. I predicted them as part of my theory of general relativity. When you throw a stone into a pond, the stone creates waves. Gravitational waves, well, they're a bit like that. However, they're still theoretical. Gravitational waves have not been detected directly, yet. A number of experiments are underway to do so. Well, what would make a gravitational wave? Any mass will produce gravitational waves if it accelerates. Neutron stars, white dwarfs, they all might be making gravitational waves, as well as... A black hole. We're close to the galactic center of our galaxy. The ship is decelerating. So you solved the mystery of gravity, Dr. Einstein. <laughs> You'd need to be a genius to do that. We still don't understand gravity completely. It certainly fooled me. You? Well, how so? According to Sir Isaac Newton's law of universal gravitation, objects in the universe are being pulled towards each other, right? Uh, right. So if you had two basketballs, or better, two galaxies, at opposite ends of the universe, they'd eventually come together and be stuck forever? Right. But that's not happening. And I once had a serious to why not. Well, it was a modification of my theory of general relativity. Something is keeping the universe from collapsing, because it is not, as you can see. What is balancing out this gravitational attraction? I called it the cosmological constant, a number that stood for something that kept the universe from collapsing. Yeah, but didn't you reject that idea? Yeah, yeah, I felt it was all wrong. I called it my biggest blunder. But you were correct, Dr. Einstein. It appears so, but the credit for that goes to your modern astronomers. Just a few years ago, by studying the light from supernovae, those beautiful exploding stars, they determined that the universe was not only expanding, but accelerating. Accelerating! The expansion was becoming faster and faster. And to account for it, they proposed this mysterious force, dark energy, blowing the universe apart. Like my cosmological constant, it behaved as a kind of anti-gravity, keeping things from collapsing. But we don't know what dark energy is. Dan, Dr. Einstein seems to know a lot about the accelerating universe, given that the discovery was made more than 40 years after he died. I updated his brain with all the intervening issues of physical review letters, including the index issue. Well, it's a relief to know that instead of the big cosmological crunch, the destiny of the universe is just to become endlessly bigger and colder whole lot of nothingness. I, for one, certainly feel better about it. That was big! What contractor built these engines? The lowest bidder? A lot happens every day. Cut through some of the noise by listening to What's New with Wired, a podcast that provides in-depth coverage on technology and culture. With new episodes released every weekday, you can catch up on all the major events you missed. From AI developments to business updates to new scientific theories, it helps you make sense of what's happening in the world. Plus, each episode is usually pretty short. You can easily squeeze it in on your way to work or during a lunch break. 
So stay updated with the award-winning journalism from Wired. Listen to What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. That's What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. We must be close to the black hole. Ach du Lieber, we'll be able to see what happens to matter as it's falling in. It should be extraordinary, truly extraordinary. I can hardly get my mind around it. How do you plan to collect the data? Well, we'll launch a probe and we'll send it to the event horizon. The probe's got about a zillion sensors on it. It is fitted with an atomic clock and a spectrophotometer. Will you collect data on the probe's motion? Yes, we have 14 different accelerometers on board. Ah, to measure the warping of space. Wunderbar. Dr. Einstein, your theory suggested that black holes exist, but they said nothing about what might be inside. (sighs) Yeah, well, that puzzles the mind. Because the gravitational force of black holes so strongly bends space and time, time runs at different speeds, you know, depending on your motion or the amount of mass in the neighborhood. Black holes may serve as time machines or even allow us to enter a parallel world. It's it's interesting, but unknowable, right? I mean, we can't go beyond the event horizon, not without turning into some very stringy pasta, and I ordered the veal. Event horizon? Ah, gravity's line in the sand, the point of no return. Once you've crossed it, you will fall into the black hole. You cannot escape. But if you could go in, imagine. We cannot venture in. Some things you can do, and some things you have to can. That sounds like an adage from my youth. I've always found it silly because it's not true. How do you know what you can't do without trying? We always learn from new experience. Yeah, but that's not always good, is it? I mean, didn't you regret unleashing the power of the atom? I regretted how it was used, yes but not our understanding of the nuclear force, and never the pursuit of knowledge. Where would I have been if I'd not persisted in trying to understand space and time? Shuffling papers in a Swiss patent office, I assume. How we use our knowledge is one thing, but to give up its pursuit? We would not be human. But knowledge is not everything. You once said so yourself. Yes, but imagination is, experience is, and experience is our source of knowledge. A journey into the black hole, for example, would be a truly remarkable trip into the unknown. Imagine such things. Time travel, the early universe. Who knows? We are too often preoccupied with the material world, alas. But we couldn't get any information out of a black hole. What is the value of learning anything if you can't communicate it? Where did you get these foolish ideas? We are most alive when we truly experience the world. Not everything needs to have a use. Why not be curious for its own sake? That's a human trait. Curiosity. A marvelous one. And maybe not just human? I don't know. Where would we be if we just crunched numbers like Dan here? As efficient as he is, Sophia. And believe me, I'm a fan of quantitative analysis. Even I don't want to reduce the universe to a formula. We can engage the world on many levels, but here's the hardest part. We all decide for ourselves. Besides, I'm not convinced that surviving a black hole is impossible. Surprisingly, my theory suggests that... Morning. We are now approaching black hole event horizon at a speed of 0.01 c. Gravity strength is increasing as 1 over r squared. Sounds like we're getting close. If we were at the Orion Club, I'd be in the pool by now. Once we stabilize the ship, we can launch the probe. We're in stable orbit just outside the event horizon. I will turn on the forward imagers. The first ever view of a supermassive black hole up close. Extraordinary, and this black hole formed by a collapse of millions and millions of stars long ago. I see a bright white disk down below us. The black hole must be in the center of that. Notice the stars around it, how the light of the stars is bent and they appear distorted. 
That's because of the warping of space-time. I'm sending down the probe now, and I'll activate the audio link. The bright disk is white hot gas slowly spiraling into the black hole. As it spirals in, it heats up. That's why it's so bright. I predicted such objects, but I never could imagine encountering one. The data is starting to pour in. I mean, this will keep the physicists busy for a while. The atomic clock on the probe has already detected strong changes in the rate of time, and the spectrophotometers are picking up strong X-rays from the hot disk. Extraordinary! This is truly a laboratory for extreme physics. We'll record these data and take them home. The X-ray bursts, those are coming from the lift-apart remains of stars, but now they are flattened like pancakes. Pancakes? When the stars got too close to the black hole, its gravity pulled them apart. And then, as they spiraled around, the gravity flattens the remains. As this material worked its way to the center, that gas got compressed. Giant nuclear explosions and shock waves. Boom! Wow, what would happen if, if I fell in? If you just crossed the event horizon, gravity would grab a hold of you and wouldn't let go. Your feet would move faster than your legs, pulling them off, and your legs would move faster than your head, pulling that off. Sounds like no aspirin would treat that headache. After your body was ripped apart, the atoms of your body would be ripped apart. Amazing. Wow, Sophia's been awfully quiet during this. What do you make of all of this, Sophia? Sophia? Hmm. Hey, the console display, it's flashing like a Times Square sign. I'm, I'm not sure how to read these things. I'm sure Barsky and Dutch. Whoever they are. Who were supposed to be on this ship, I would know, but I, I just... Those are the preliminary gravitational readings, indicating that the black hole is spinning at a rate close to the speed of light. The black hole is actually dragging space around it as it spins. Can you imagine? Dragging space. It's called frame dragging. Fashioneering. Frame dragging? Sounds like what an art museum curator might do. Huh? What? A panel light here is blinking. It says, exterior hatch door opening. And what's this, Dan? EPD alert. Emergency pod detachment. That's impossible. The interior is secure. Where's Sophia? I can't find her. Could she have taken the emergency pod? It appears that way. I have located the pod on the external sensors and calculated its trajectory. She's headed to the event horizon. She's going into the black hole? What? Why? I think I know why. Can we see her? Can we see her on the imagers? Look on the control surface monitor. That object there. That's the pod. I'll zoom in. She's approaching the edge of the event horizon. Stupendous. Wait, now the image isn't moving. It looks frozen. Is the screen stuck? No. No, it's not stuck. The image is frozen. Sophia is not frozen. What do you mean, huh? Our vantage point on the ship, our perception of the pod is relative. It's different from what's happening near the black hole. Once Sophia approached the event horizon, it appeared to us as if time stopped because the light from where she is is slowing down. But time doesn't stop for her. From her point of view, she's still falling into the black hole. Well, Sophia isn't human, but can she survive this? That is uncertain. Perhaps she can withstand the heat, even several million degrees. And the pod does have an anti-gravity shield. When she is a hologram, she is light, not human after all. If she falls into the black hole at an angle, if she doesn't fall directly towards the center, since the gravitational force could be less, she could survive. At least her awareness will last longer than yours would as a human. So Sophia may be aware of what's happening? Yes, although from her perspective, time is not slowing down. The perception of events is radically different depending on where you are and how you're moving. This is truly remarkable. She will have insights about black holes that we humans may never have. So she was curious after all. 
But she was a hologram. Sophia could not aggregate all that humans had learned about the universe and not wonder, not want to know more. That is the nature of intelligence. Wait, something is coming through. It's a message from Sophia. It's garbled. What is she saying, Dan? Let me slow it down. I see now. I see. I see. Remarkable. I see. see. See? What What does she see? Communication has terminated. The pull of gravity is too strong. She's beyond the horizon. No more information can reach us. But what did she see? I mean, the end of the universe? The beginning of another one? Parallel universes? The history of ours? What? Maybe it's an understanding. An understanding of what's possible. Well, isn't there any way we can hear more? Perhaps. What do you mean, perhaps? It's possible she could use the black hole as a tunnel in space and time and send the information to reach us when we return to Earth. You mean a wormhole? Highly theoretical? Yes, but so were black holes once, and here we are next to a glorious one. That theory, at least, was right. I've never heard Sophia happy, and she sounded happy, if that makes sense for a hologram. We have the data we need from the probe. It's all uplinked. Let's turn this ship around. Now, now we're in this manual. It's the chapter on going home. Page 46, but I've already initiated the sequence. Okay, we're getting ready to go back now. And away we go. We're back and home safely. You've been listening to a holiday special, Journey to a Black Hole. We expect no charity in your reviews of Molly's and my thespian efforts. We make no excuse for those. But do join us in thanking the talents of our onboard crew. Gary Niederhoff, Lilia Roman, Roland Pease, Patrick Porter, Roe DeVasto, Doug Vakoch, and as always, Barbara Vance, as well as the SETI Institute and the NASA Astrobiology Institute. This show is part of a traveling exhibit, Black Holes, Space Warps, and Time Twists, a production of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. You can find out more at our website, radio.seti.org. Oh, it's so relaxing here at the Orion Club, Dr. Dutch. Another tiki drink, Dr. Barsky. (laughs) Don't mind if I do. We were so lucky to pick up those unclaimed reservations left by Molly and Seth. Whoever they are. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to geek out. The Wired Science Podcast explores all the latest and greatest in science. Everything from strange diseases and biological breakthroughs to interesting tech and mysteries in outer space. Listen to Wired Science today wherever you get your podcasts. That's Wired Science wherever you get your podcasts.